Wolverines. Wolverines everywhere. All over the dang place. Every comic, you get a Wolverine. You get a Wolverine. And you get a Wolverine. And most of them are Logan. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin, bub. <laughs> and today we are talking about the other new comics that came out the same week as Inferno. Because yep. we already talked about Inferno. We already talked about Inferno. Needed its own private time. It did. And now that we've had that time, we've given it some pause. I've read it another time. Not surprised. But today we're talking about the Infinity Comic. Infinity Comics. Comics. Yeah, because what I didn't realize last week, the X-Men Unlimited story, which I'm pretty sure was untitled, the Wolverine versus AIM story that we talked about briefly when it was first introduced... It concluded, or at least paused for now, mm. to be continued. But this week, we got a brand new one, a X-Men new Green. One. X-Men Green. Which will be the focus for the next couple of weeks. Interesting. I mean, good, because it doesn't have an ending yet. No. So, And then, in addition to that, our remainder physical comics, Wolverine number 16 and Sword number 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you read the description, so you know what we're talking about. Maybe. Do you read the description? I don't know. Do you? I don't usually read them. If I know, if it's a podcast that I know that, all right, I'm here. Well, that depends because there's one podcast that they interview different guests. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not interested in the guest, I don't listen to that episode. Interesting. I usually read the title, but not as much the description. I read it all. That's, give, me, give me the info. I know. That's who you are, though. I know. I'm not just going to give you I an don't hour even... off title. I don't even like to read the backs of books sometimes oh, because I don't like because then how do you know you like that book? Because spoilers can be in the backs of books but or in the cover. To, what sells you on the book then? If you don't if you don't know anything about it, is it just recommended books? Maybe or like the title or the I'll start to read it, but sometimes like you can't judge a book by its cover. So you have to <laughs> read judge the cover. it by its outside back, cover pages. You have to read the inside jacket. You have to read reviews. And then, all right, I'll buy this book and maybe I'll read it. I bought a book that someone was promoting on TikTok that they were like a startup author and they were like, hey, this is my book. It's kind of about this. And it's called Beasts of Prey and pre-order it on Amazon. Help a sister out. And I was like, okay. And I ordered it. And then I completely forgot. And the other day it came in and I was like, ooh, a new book. Wow. (laughs) So sometimes I just buy books because someone told me to. But That's we're not good. here to talk about books. We're here to talk about comic books, the best kind of books. Oh, it's the strain on her face as she nods her head. They are a very great <laughs> kind of book. I'm not, I can't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have any news, so I'm glad that this is just <laughs> This is our banter. Yeah. This is our pre-discussion banter. Yeah. Well, we do have some news, which is that it's, you know, we've continued to talk about the fact that New York Comic Con is is in our sights. Ooh. And we're going to that in just less than a week, five days. But it's kind of disappointing that there's no Marvel representation. Yeah, there's no official Marvel presence. There's a couple of creators that we know and I know a, a couple from books that I've read and mm-hmm. some indie books that we're excited about. Yes creators that are there ghostbusters is gonna be there yeah we're gonna go to that panel but largely it feels like a very sparsely and i understand right you know, covid it's covid it's and, real and people are still hesitant and and honestly i'm just 
excited to go to a thing. I am so excited. I am so excited to be in costume. I am so excited to see other nerdy folk. But I do have to say, and I'm saying this now publicly, officially on the podcast, I think it's a little bit insane to me that there's not even a virtual panel for anything Marvel. Just put them on a screen and put me in a room and like I'll sit with other nerds who are may or may not also be in costume and like what's the difference to me if you're on a a stage and you look like the size of an ant or Mm -hmm. like an action figure size Mm -hmm. or if you're on a screen which you'd potentially be bigger on like the experience is for me to talk and hear about the new and upcoming things that are happening and the fact that there's not even a virtual panel of any kind, that's kind of disappointing. And I'm not going to lie about it because yeah. it's a big part of why you go to Comic-Con to experience those things, to get that knowledge firsthand, to have people sign your stuff, to meet the creators that you love. And just like for nothing at all, no official Marvel presence at all at New York Comic-Con. I mean, it's not just Marvel. It's DC and it's a lot of other of the... Really? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's not wanting to force their employees to be in a large... No, that I understand. But right. in the, 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 there's there could be a virtual option. Well, especially when they did it digitally last year. Right. The format's already there. I don't know if they just didn't want to undercut the promotion of maybe it was New York Comic Con that didn't want to produce that as they're trying to get people to go there. But they do have some digital-only experiences. So Yeah. I don't know. I just, I had to say that I'm a little disappointed, especially with this being the first year that we're going to go to Comic-Con that I actually read comics. And like knowing how 2019 we went and we went to that X-Men comic panel and like I didn't even really know what was going on and it was really exciting. Everybody lost their minds when Adam Kubert was announced on Yeah, and now I'm just like, oh, I could know what's going on. I could be in the know and I could be so excited and... It's not happening. But regardless of that, we're excited just to go, to be around a great community of people. We'll be there on Friday and Saturday. So maybe look for Emma, Kate, and friends and see if you... (laughs) I'm friends. You're friends. We're not going to tell you, uh, but I will tell you one day I will be Emma and one day I will be Kate. So, And I am people that may be... Associated with... Either of those characters at various times. (laughs) All right. Shall we dig into comics? Yes. Okay. News. All right. So first we're talking about this Infinity comic. Yep. I really do like these, especially in a sense of like, it's a quick read and I can just keep scrolling through it. That's a very satisfying feeling. And the art in this one is really beautiful. I did enjoy this one. I actually enjoyed this X-Men Green better than the Wolverine story entirely. Mm. I, I do want to, we didn't really talk about the Wolverine story at all, other than just introducing it. And I did just want to give a couple of points about that and what goes on in that story. In yeah. The so there are a couple of mutants that get captured by AIM. And we, there's still one who we don't know who it is, right? right? So that's why we're left with a cliffhanger at the end that I feel is going to go into a larger story, which, you know, proves me wrong that Ha-ha! it might have some consequence. I, I'd be surprised. I was surprised to see Nightcrawler as one of the captured mutants, to see a name like Nightcrawler. That's why I was like, ooh, I wonder who the other one is going to be. One, right, so it was Nightcrawler, Chamber, and an unannounced third one 
who, if you zoom in on the panel, kind of looks like a female with short hair mm. or medium length hair. Shoulder length hair? Yeah. Now but, I'm like, I got to go back. I want to look at it. But you can keep talking. It, it just, it seems like what AIM is trying to do with Project Tundra, working with mutant DNA to ensure the survival of AIM long term, that feels like it's going to be a little last plot thread given to us by Hickman. Yeah, it's definitely feels connected to the larger and especially with the way the next issue, the green one goes, where they then enlist Wolverine right. to go out and take care of this thing. Right. Well, I love the end of this where Wolverine will not rest until he brings that mutant home, but he'll continue to be in most of the comics this week. He's not resting. He's just he got, <laughs> he's busy he's got doing a lot other things. Plate. You know, I'm not resting. I'm very busy. I'm a very b- busy mutant. Do you think this is dust? I was thinking husk, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's odd is, how those kind of like... Yeah, near rhymes. Uh, I was thinking husk primarily Paige Guthrie because of the way her hair looks in House of X and Powers of Ten mm. when they attack Orcus Forge. Oh, interesting. But who knows? But who knows? Well, it's on record that you guessed that it was husk. So... Let's talk about X-Men Green. Okay, X-Men Green. What an assemblage of mutants underneath this guitar tree. They're just hanging out. Pyro's playing a song. It's a it's a guitar tree. It's a guitar tree. And I just these are not mutants that I would normally put in a group together, so I guess maybe I just don't know what else who, is going on in the subtext. Who is of. this other one? Not Nature Girl, not Pyro, not Doug. Egg or gold balls. What? It's gold balls. Yeah. You're gold, not busy gold with the balls five. Doing something other than making the five can't eggs. have lives. Right. We tried that. <laughs> they just make resurrected mutants. That's yeah, it. That's just, their thing. They're just the resurrection they don't machine. Do anything they're going else. on strike, babe. They they said, Hey, Charles, you don't control our magic. This mutant technology is taking its Business on the run. I'm going to listen to Pyro play the guitar tree. You know, he writes romance novels. He plays guitar. Who knew? He's a he, renaissance who man. Who knew? I knew. You knew? Yeah. In your heart? Jerry gave us the solution for climate change in X-Men issue three. And yeah. now he's tackling how we treat our wildlife. I love it. It's just I know. These big themes connected to the real world. I just love that this, that nature girl is like, oh, excuse me? Uh, I'm going to go to the source. And straight murder this store manager, or, or at least attack. I don't know if he, he dies. Yeah, I he, I was like, did she just kill no man? Because she stabs him in the throat, in the jugular, in the... That's a, that's a prime artery. That's I'm a, pretty sure he's dead. I think so. And especially the way that the cops react and that woman screams. Yeah. I mean, anyone would scream when you see someone like, she uses scissors, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she just grabs the scissors off the table and stabs him in the throat. I don't know a whole lot about Nature Girl, but the fact that she's able to do that and then have this great uh, moment conversation with, the with this dog, dog like, yeah. "Hey, I did that because I care about animals." And, oh, yeah. that's cool. And and the dog is totally on board. You just tamed this vicious attack dog because you shared your heartache with it. The birds, the the long birds panel. Oh my gosh! The police. That was probably my favorite. Yeah, that's in this crazy. Issue, just in terms of utilizing the vertical format because i felt like the wolverine story used that more frequently Mm. and and this is only the first issue so maybe we'll see more of that as we continue to go but i really enjoyed 
seeing how you adapt with into this new style, into this new format. Because I'll be honest, even going through this week's issue of Wolverine, a lot of the wide panels that went across a page or even further across a page and a half, mm-hmm. that was those are exciting. Those yeah. give that sideways action and momentum. This gave the that same kind of momentum in a different way. Yeah. So our last panel or, you know, section of this really long comic, Xavier is worried about Nature Girl and calling in the big guns. And the he's big guns being Wolverine. Wolverine, because he's not in enough. He's just not doing enough, folks. He's not going to rest until he brings that mutant home. He needs to be everywhere, always, at all times. And this one was written by Jerry. Jerry Duggan. Jerry. And our art was by Emilio Laiso with colorist Rachel Rosenberg. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Joe Sabino. All right. So regular. Regular comics. They're all regular now. Okay. Well, paper ones. I don't know. How do you? Uh, that's that's an interesting thing. Like, do you view these as different? And especially now, you got Hickman right in the first one. You got Jerry right in the second one. I don't know, man. They're different. They're Infinity Comics. They're they're Marvel Unlimited. They're they're different. They're Special Sauce Comics. These are regular. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I I think it just my question really connects back to my initial idea that these would not be big picture consequential well you were wrong well we'll see we haven't actually seen something happen with it nature girl stabs some guy in the throat and an unnamed mutant is missing that's a tuesday that's a regular tuesday i don't know all right so what are we talking about wolverine wolverine and number 16 but first wolverine number 16 that rhymes yeah i like this cover straight to the point you're here for the fight that we've been building up to, or at least the rivalry, because I'm not sure we really get a fight. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad. But I like this cover. I like the way the Wolverine is like stacked. spelled out and stacked. I don't know why. That's just very visually pleasing to me. Oh, that's just Qbert being Qbert. I think this is going to be our last Adam Qbert issue for a little while. How are you doing? Are you okay? I'm fine. I know he's not always. You just cherish it while it's there. Take it while you can get it. Yeah, right. All right, shall we dive in? Yeah. Page turn noise. Chilling in the Green Lagoon. Man, the Green Lagoon is all up in these comics. Yeah, it is. I Always. It's always in the Green Lagoon. Always. Everyone. All the time. Well, that's, what else are you going to do? It, it, kind they of, don't have any other hangout it, spots on Krakoa. It's just the one bar, and we're not in war times. So are, We're not? I mean, <laughs> I feel like we always yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, we should be. But as I was rereading one of the X-Men issues, uh, I think it was X-Men number 12 of Hickman's run, where they're talking about the fact that people aren't logging in time in the training facility, in the, the Danger Island. Again, soft. Right. And Bishop is talking about the, or they're talking about Bishop presiding over the first mutant war college, right? Mm. These are the things that I want, but they're clearly not happening. People are... Are getting soft they're they're not being it, tested on a regular basis but now it could happen right that's what i'm hoping so the, wolverine's having a little drink yeah these two solomon wolverine they're like reluctant lovers you know <laughs> this will they won't they we'll find out in season two i just i feel like well we know by the end yeah that, that solemn 
he's kind of in love with Wolverine or he's just in love with everything. He's in love with everything and everyone. He brings in this romantic French wine at a tiki bar and the passionate anger from Logan, the the playful sarcasm from Solemn. Yeah, he's like, you too good for my fine wine? That's that's quite all right. Mm. Drank with me though. Let's talk. Let's make a deal. Title page brought to bay. Ill-gotten gains. Written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Adam Kubert. Color art by Espen Grundetjern. With Frank Martin and VCs Corey Petit. That was like a mix between the two. Poor Petit. <laughs> Frank Martin just did pages one and two. Yeah. Interesting. He had other things to do. Interesting. All right, let's dig in. Let's keep it going. More playful banter from Solemn. And and Solemn's story of Sevier. So we previously had Sevier's story of Solemn. Yeah. And now we get to know a little bit more about the other side. And I mean, it's kind of, it's funny because at first you don't, when I was hearing Sevier's story, I was like, oh, cool. Like he took him under his wing, whatever. But then you hear all these things. He really wasn't like a quote unquote father figure, even though he kind of told it like, yeah. He was like, I was training him, and he was my prodigy, and he was so good. And this is like, but also I was being tied to the front of a ship and tortured the whole time. Yeah. But who do you believe? Who can you trust? They're both double-crossing double-crossers. Like, all the time. All the time. So frustrating. Can't can't Wolverine smell a lie? Like, what's going on? (laughs) No. I feel like you should be able to. Like, your pheromones are off. It smells like liars in here. That's more Doc and Akiro pheromones. So he's a pirate, Sevier, a pirate who takes and takes. And we get a big reveal of Sevier being the one who stole the Marauder. And knocks out Christian. Right. That had been building up in the background for a while. And he was meeting with the Russians to sell them what Solemn stole. Which this whole thing, if he's meeting with the Russians and the Russians are connected to other people who are also connected to Orcus, this is like bringing in to me what you were talking about the other day that you think like there's going to be some kind of like a rocky tie to Orcus or to that storyline. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's this is a situation where maybe Sevier doesn't know who he's working for, Mm -hmm. but he could in like in the end actually be working for Orcus. Yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think it's an intentional point of Sevier. I think that there is some connection with Orcus or some connection with the Iraqi people that's going to come up. And the fact that Sevier, he just clearly is just selling to the highest bidder. You know, he's got something, he can get something, and someone has money that wants it. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't really know who care. it is. He doesn't care who he's selling to. He's just... But the fact that Orcus may be trying to obtain Logic Diamonds, I feel like that's going to play into Nimrod, into whatever else they're trying to do with that technology yeah. the way that they were able to take gregor's husband and put him into the nimrod shell right that's like next next level right they're getting the, they're going to the sto- source of technology but they plan to team up and take on sevier wolverine's way wolverine's way it's my way bub i do really like this panel that's like the one image of the two of them with the sword that's like, but it's also broken into two panels. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting framework. Yeah, where Wolverine is motionless, but Solemn's sword is moving from one panel location to the next. I gotta say, though, like, 
once you said what you said about Solomon being in love with Wolverine, when he you kept look on at, trying to touch him, and, but when you look Wolverine at this image, it dancing. like almost looks like here. Let me show how you how to do this from behind. Right? Moment. Yeah. What's that? The the pottery. He's showing him how to do ghost. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a data page, and it's a Muramasa blades catch up. We you know we get this data page that runs through the story of the Muramasa Blade, specifically the important for details of the Hell Bride's marriage ceremony, as that will tie in later on. Mm, I miss that detail. So that connects to the end of this issue, but also connects to Ten of Swords, where Solomon Wolverine originally got these blades. Yes. We're cutting right to it. You know, we've we've spent a couple issues building this up. So, like, Wolverine's way is... Get help? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Or like fake hostage? Yeah. I guess fake hostage is more so than get help. Yes. But. And he just fakes. Like, Here, I brought you. And then, no, but I brought you. Double cross, double cross. Or... Yeah, is that a triple cross? I don't so know. So Solemn double crosses Wolverine before they together can double cross Sevier? When I was reading this, I was like, oh, Wolverine, like you're getting yourself in trouble here. Like you're really letting these these two pull your little puppet strings. Mm. And the fact that Sevier was willing to work with Solemn doesn't really add up to me. I mean, he's motivated by the price on Wolverine's head and the price for the blades, I think, from this Hellbride that we later find out. But mm-hmm. it just, especially from the description of what had happened between Sevier and Solemn last issue yeah i don't know i i was a little reluctant to go along with that but i guess he's he's motivated by money he'll do whatever he can for the money they're just flip-flopping all over the place they're like no you're on my side but then you just double crossed me so now i'm on the other side like because you came to me and you were acting like you were gonna do the right thing but you're not so now i'm gonna do the wrong thing Mm. it's just very confusing yeah whose side is who on but these two spreads, the wide action panels, this is what I was talking about before, especially this one, yeah. the second of the two-page spreads where you cross that full page and a, and a bit with that sideways action. <laughs> just Wolverine holding this giant length of change, just like, Ugh. and then all the action that ensues once he picks it up. And I also just really love this little bit of storytelling I fought my share of big guys. They might be built of thick bark, but they always seem to forget that one little axe can take down the tallest redwood. Yeah. And that's just like... That's just playing off his history. Yeah. But it's just interesting, you know, like Wolverine is small, but like just because you're big doesn't mean I can't take you down, but you you assume Hmm. that I can't. Just thought that was like a fun little story moment. Right. Well, and it plays against the fact that he has been a short guy his whole life and he's been a, a fighter. Mm-hmm. So he has had to learn and to play off of his strengths to defeat a wide variety of opponents. Yeah. And then is this the other one you were talking about? Where that he's like falling deep into the water and it like crosses through the panels. Oh, I really like this. Where the full scope of the panel is like one large one large scene right like you see the ship and you see the water but then you're seeing him sink deeper and deeper and deeper as he goes across all the panels and that technique has been throughout these three issues with Mm -hmm. adam kubert and i really like it yeah i do too and i don't see a whole lot of other artists doing that so good on you adam keep it up keep it up in wolverine or in something else (laughs) i don't know something i don't know 
We're going to Emma's place. Oh, you want to talk about the new Wolverine? Emma, Emma, get it, get it. She's Emma, in everything. Emma Frost, good. Good. She, I, it makes my dang day if I read a comic and there on a page appears the White Queen herself. Yeah. Just, in all her glory. Just straight chilling on this patio, enjoying yeah. the water views. I think the idea of the Marauders riding in Sevyar's boat is amazing, and and so is Emma's reaction to it. I was going to say I think it's horrific. That boat is disgusting. And then Emma said, how revolting. Yes. I mean, they're a pirate team, or at least that's what they were sold as, you know, and now they have a pirate ship. Yeah, but you can't be trying to do black ops under the table business in a ship that's like, Look at me, I'm evil. Hello. Oh, but can you can do it in a very recognizable giant yacht? Yes, because okay. you could just be rich and floating around and everyone's like, "Oh, there you go." Hmm. But if you look like you're up to something dirty. Speaking about something dirty, Black Tom talking about the fact that Solomon has been hiding out on Krakoa the whole time. The whole time. Black Tom is looking real Krakoan. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> looking really like he's just, he's, just giving in, he's giving into the veg you know he's had enough time fighting it and he's not interested in that anymore and he's aware tom is aware of the no places on the island which I is that interesting that really great detail yeah we get a brief recap of because he is basically one with the island now like the more especially the more that they've connected yeah right it's like the deeper it's kind of like Krakoa's roots are just like deeper and deeper in his system. Like they've becoming more w- one, which is interesting because I wonder what the relationship between like Doug and Black Tom would be, right? They don't talk. Because it almost feels like they're like the other lover well, of Krakoa. Well, and there's not just two in that, as we find out by the end. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but a b- brief recap. <laughs> <laughs> Brief recap on the Arakan Point that has been here since X-Men 2 and served as the eternal gate that led to Ten of Swords. Also, apparently, is Arako's transport to Mars, but I believe there are other gates that go, as we've seen in Way of X. Yes, because other people have used them. X-Men. I just think that the external gate is for larger transit, or I'm not entirely sure what's different about it, but... Solemn has wooed Krakoa onto his side in more ways than one. The point where it's keeping Wolverine at bay from coming to Solemn as he's walking through the woods. I thought that was a really interesting detail. Mm-hmm. Now, are we going to talk about this Cerebro helmet? Yeah. Because um, these things are going up everywhere. Everyone's got a Cerebro helmet. But where did he get it? I don't know. Mm, and then he uh, steal it in a... Now I'm going to have another person who's going to be wearing a white cloak and coming for the cerebro helmet i don't know if the motivation's there on solemn i like i like what you were saying with emma potentially doing that but right but right and i agree but i'm just saying where did he get this I don't like know. it's just odd that you're telling one story and where someone stole a cerebro helmet and then you're going to tell this next story and he just suddenly has one yeah well and especially to connect that to a point from the next data page about sage Wanting to put a Cerebro back up in a black hole. What is she talking about? Right. Well, because everybody keeps on stealing them. How do we get them even further? Anytime I hear a black hole, my mind just perks up. And I think about everything Powers of Ten, especially in a book 
like Wolverine, where Percy is getting ready to do X lives of Wolverine and X deaths of Wolverine. Yeah, like where Zorn in his black hole with Rasputin and all those peeps who got sucked and in. And Omega Sentinel, yeah. But anyway, let's... <laughs> Solemn. Stick to the story at hand. Solemn has his own personal version of Arba Magna and the control and protections of the Mars transportation hub. Three Proteus eggs? Where did he get those? Yeah, what is he... This is what I'm saying. Like, what is he doing? Whatever he wants, apparently. Is this... So, is this where Emma gets a Cerebro helmet from? Because she comes in and showing up everywhere, but also amassing more and more power and influence. She's the best. Because she, to now have Solemn working with her, for her, giving her access to the sub, I'm not entirely sure what that does for her or how she's back from dying in space and Marauders, but, you know, we'll let that slide for now. Yeah. Timeline. She's pissed, though. Rightfully so. And and has the power to take Solemn down. Yeah. In a way that she's Wolverine like didn't. striking, just strutting her stuff in there in diamond form and she's like you stole from me yeah you, and you attacked my brother and you attacked my brother and now you're here on this the day of my daughter's wedding <laughs> sorry anyway sage's logbook right this little love letter about solomon's exploits his relations with krakoa this one, yeah, that one about the Cerebro backup in the black hole is the one that really stuck out to me. But, I mean, in general, I like hearing more about Solemn because he's one of those characters that are just getting built up as the Araco people outside of the Great Ring. Because we've yeah. gotten a lot of character building on our Great Ring, but he seems like one of the few outside of that that have really gotten some characterization. Back on the moon. The aftermath. This is almost... Too big of a tease to see played out in the next few issues. Like I feel like this revenge of the Hellbride who controls the hand could be huge and could have some more ramifications on the lives and deaths, especially with her connection to hell and, and to dying. Oof, that'd be crazy. Well. Panic in the CIA. Panic in the CIA. Because it's not a Wolverine story if it doesn't connect to X-Force. Of course. Uh, obviously. I really enjoyed this story. Yeah, I thought it was good. This three-act story. I think Kubert's art added a lot to that, but mm -hmm. it had legs going into it from the Hellfire Gala and the fact that the, the stolen ship and the mystery and to pick yep. up on that thread. I thought it was really tightly plotted around these three characters and the backstories of the two Iraqi and seems to play big into the future. Yeah, and I guess if you think about it in the full arc of the story it's not that surprising that emma is involved in it because right, she she's the, the one who's like hey can you find out who did this mm -hmm. thanks i love when relationships are furthered and explored but still left open right mm. so this story with solomon wolverine isn't resolved in any way but this chapter is closed yeah but there's still there's more interest for further yeah there's still something between them and i'd say i think i said the first issue was my favorite wolverine issue I'd say that this is the best arc of the Wolverine run, Oh, in my opinion. A lot of that has to do with the first issue, but overall, really solid. Yeah. That so, first issue was really great. I got some questions for you. Oh. What do you think Emma is going to do with this control over the access point? I don't think she's going to do anything right away. I think she's going to 
sit on it and know that she has it should she need it for Mm. something. Mm. Like, I don't think that she's going to be like, oh, I have this thing. Let me just use it now. I think she's just going to continue to keep it a secret. Well, the same as the island. You know, she didn't use that right away. It became the location of the annual Hellfire Gala. Right. I think that, you know, it's because it's not like she went and sought this out to collect it. She just came upon it she's just amassing power on various islands and she i think she's just like she's playing like a like a like a very intense game of gin rummy right now i was gonna say chess but yes and she's she's got all these things building in her hand should she need to you know go out go out (laughs) get some points get some points like i think she knows that she's gotta have Lots of stuff in her back pocket because she sees over the course of time all of these things that are, you know, ticking time bombs essentially within Krakoa and its establishments and its government and the the realization that putting all of these mutants together, asking them to act as one when they have been at odds with each other and have their own interests she's like she knows she knows she needs to have like as many tools in her toolbox as she can should something go wrong so i don't think she's going to straight out do something but i think she's going to keep it keep it for if and when she needs it yeah. oh and like i think that could even be something as simple as like if someone in her circle in her inner circle so to speak was to need to be resurrected now she can do it by herself. That's true. I mean, I'm I'm curious about these being Proteus eggs, right? These aren't necessarily anybody. These are. Mm. I thought that was an interesting point. Like, why would you have copies of Proteus eggs? Proteus uses Xavier's husk as a body. So is it an egg of Kevin McTaggart's original body? No. It's probably Xavier. But why call it a Proteus egg then? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I just... Hmm. Questioning. Questioning. We'll find out. Maybe. What are my... you have other questions for me or... Well, Wolverine was pretty sure that he and Emma would never be mistaken as friends. Why do you think that? Why, why can't they get along? Is that just the, the triangles don't cross in that, that way? You get the love triangle of Scott, Jean, and Emma. You get the love triangle of Wolverine, Scott, and Jean. I think Wolverine just doesn't want to admit that he's friends with Emma. The same way he wouldn't admit he is friends with Magneto. Because they're the quote-unquote bad guys. And I don't think Wolverine really admits he's friends with many people. That's true. He seems to be more like, I don't have any friends. I'm just Wolverine. I have acquaintances. Yeah. Well, there's been a a number of issues throughout this run where he's reflecting on the fact that he's more than just that loner anymore not that he was really ever a loner even when he showed up originally he was a part of alpha flight or had been a part of alpha flight he's never really been a loner unless you're talking about the wolverine titles or his backstory or yeah i just feel like he just he doesn't admit ties or connections to people because then it makes him seem bias like he i think has to have this no ties so i can do the right thing you know or like take care of business the way i need to take care of it without any like 
pull from anyone. Hmm. I don't know. How does this cradle tie into things of other events? I think we were kind of getting at That's this. That's what I was saying is like, where does it, how's that playing into Child of Magneto? How's that going to play into Inferno? Or just just the lack of security around cradles and how like what are they those, doing? Those seem to be able to be picked up. Yeah, like what is that about? I don't know. I don't know. Well, guess it's time to talk about the next issue. Our next and last issue of the week. Sword. Sword number eight. Look at Storm. This cover. Look at her slicing up alien scum. I've been waiting for this cover since I saw it. I think it was very shortly after the gala that this cover was first announced and to see Storm in her gala look as Queen Regent of Soul tearing people up. I'm all yeah. about it. Yeah. I think it's the most Storm story we've gotten in a while. How appropriate that I'm wearing my Storm shirt. Very appropriate. Simple coincidence. I just wear the shirt every time it's then clean because I love it. All right. You ready? Yeah. Page turn noise. Storming in. <laughs> I love the art on these first few pages mm. when she's coming in, but I feel like it shifts a little later on throughout the book, the art. Mm. I do like seeing Storm traveling through space and the specifics of her taking a bit of atmosphere from the sword station to come down to Arako <laughs> and why she does that to, to display her ability to do so. Title page, Vox Araki. Unbroken. Written by Al Ewing. Art by Guyu Villanova. Color art by Fernando Cifuentes of Photobunker Studios. And letters by VCs Ariana Maher. This guy. <laughs> this molten lava. Fiery Calderock. Oogie boogie. Yes. Honestly, <sighs> I've, mentioned it. I've mentioned it before and I've been looking for it. So I'm glad that we see it. The unrest of the Iraqi people being led by an outsider from Kakroa. Mm. I think it's really good to see this push against Storm, her power, her leadership, and the the format that they have too about this ring and its challenges. Yeah, There was so much revealed in this issue about yeah. the Iraqi people, the great ring. I can't. Their structures of government. Your favorite, your favorite guy. Tarn. Oh, God. Can't wait to get to Tarn. <laughs> this guy. And I'm, I also love these two, like, because this is the, I can't remember her name. Frenzy. No, not Frenzy. The other Cora. one. Yeah, Cora. It's both, yes. But this is the one that you, like, love from Sword. She's, like, the new addition to Sword. She's, like, the yep. Iraqi addition to Sword. She replaced Fabian. Yes, I do love Cora. But I just love, like, her and Frenzy just like sitting here. Casual. Just yeah. chilling. And they're just like, no, no, no. Storm is coming. Don't you worry. But also we get some some casual information about what it means to step into the circle perilous. Mm-hmm. And this being the introduction of Fiery Calderac. What, what are your thoughts on him? I called him a molten oogie boogie. <laughs> That's what I think of him. I would assume... That he is an Omega-level mutant mm. because of the fact that nobody can sit on the ring unless they're an Omega-level mutant. So to enter this challenge for a seat on the ring, which is basically what this means, he's got to be... must be Omega-level. Right. Interesting. And, you know, you want to talk about a retirement plan for the council 
this really stuck out to me after having read Inferno, the strict running of the Iraqi government body in contrast to what it is and how we make up the Quiet Council, Mm -hmm. stepping into the ring to fight for your position to lead us. Yeah, you don't just get handed it and the people in power don't just choose that you also get power. Right, yeah. This is what it means to be a war-hardened society of Omegas. And also just like the Iraqi people, the Iraqi mutants have been a society for for so long. Right, so they have structures of government that viewing this in contrast to Inferno and the Quiet Council, there's a huge gap between how each side is run. Yes, for sure. And Storm just doesn't have time for this, Calderac. She's just going to show up. She's going to snowstorm you to death. It's fine. I have a meeting. Do you yield? <laughs> yeah. That face. That face she's making. A weather witch. Say it with respect. Love it. These two data pages. So much information. So much information. Probably the most information we've ever gotten about the Iraqi people in two pages of a comic. And honestly, thankfully, a data page that gives me a lot of information but is not too dense. Right. Sometimes I feel like data pages, I don't know if it's supposed to be from like the perspective of whoever is writing them because a lot of them it's still like sort of a mystery of like who's writing these data pages. But sometimes I feel like it is... It gives me the feeling of a kid who has to write a paper and they're trying to sound smart, so they just put in a lot of really big words. Mm. And I'm always like, wait, like I have to read the data page again. And I'm like, why? Did, why? Like, Well, I think this one really is successful because of how broken up it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a, a full-on page describing it. It's section headers, and mm-hmm. we're, we're thinking about something that was already introduced previously, right? So we've seen the breakdown of seats around the Great Ring, but now to get so much more information about each seat, what it means, what it does, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's something that we, we never have any, there's no intentionality except for the season, in the seasons, except for the Hellfire like, like side, they have yeah. no they have no identity as a side of the table. Right. Right. These Which is so interesting because the Hellfire group is so interconnected. Like right. those three are like They're the only ones that really have an identity as a side of the table. Like as a unit, yeah. Except for, you know, the the children of Xavier on one side and the villains on the other, and then you have the big influencers in autumn. Mm. But yeah, these I just I read this data page so many times <laughs> i just i <laughs> obsessed over what all these different things were and what they meant the seat of law the seat of history i like the seat of history yeah. I think that's cool that they specifically have a person who is dedicated to that like if you look at like even just looking at this structure and the different responsibilities though many of them are related to war and then again you look at the quiet council and you're like what is your job on the Quiet Council? Right. Like you're just there to vote about stuff, but like nobody is in charge and, of and anything you have specific. The captains doing all the war related things outside. Yeah. But like this is so much more put together yeah. and purposeful. The seat of history, this seat records and decides history. Yeah. That's like such a bold statement yeah. and such like a telling the person who records history decides the history, like such a relevant yeah right statement we get two names that 
we haven't seen the people of. Mm. So Aura Serata, who we still have not seen, the witness, the final arbiter, and Ludus Logos, who we do see in the next couple of pages, the seed of dreams. There are rumors of three more. Yeah. Who do you think? So do you have a name for that other section? Did you think about this? Because I did. No, of course I did not. The three seats of the night. We have the three seats of the day, the three seats of the dusk, and the three seats of the dawn. The dawn. The three seats of the night. Those are. That's the murder team. <laughs> that's the. Those are the well, war. So captains. why is Tarn not on that one? Because he's got other things that he needs to do. I mean, it is very this bo- this box that's like no mutant who was not an Omega level has ever sat on the Great Ring. Not once. It has never happened. It never will. But the Great Ring has only nine recognized seats. Yes. Interesting. (laughs) I love Storm. Let me just catch the sword in my hand real quick. I just love that that's how people say hello to Storm sometimes. We've seen it with Callisto, (laughs) and, and that makes sense. And I think that made me think about that specifically, that mm-hmm. moment and their relationship, especially as the rest of the issue plays out. Yeah. So this Ludus Logos, a new character introduced as a member of the council, making blades and is excited that you like him. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you like my blade. So Aurora calls this meeting and lays down the law into Tarn for the betrayal of their word. Tarn. Tarn hates storm yeah tarn hates her he's like get this krakoan mutant out my council yes that's exactly (laughs) what he thinks that and i have been wanting that because that should be the reaction of a lot of the iraqi people who is this person that thinks that she can talk for all of us this war-hardened society Mm -hmm. that's already established you're just gonna step up into this ring That he calls something a fart. Yes. <laughs> Tarn's word has hideous meaning, but to those less, it is emptier than air. A fart. And praise Tarn for even that. <laughs> I can't. Praise Tarn. Praise Tarn. <laughs> this... But like Tarn. Yeah. And and I, I love this because, so this... Interaction that they're referencing was seated in Hellions. Them meeting around the table and Idol looking at Tarn when he's swearing that he'll never set foot on Krakoa. Yes. That was in Hellions. And then yes. we see Tarn and his true power throughout Hellions and that arc. Yes. And now we're bringing him back in. You know, He had his little background arc. We don't know a whole lot about him. Just that he's super powerful and he's got his groupies, the Locust Vile. Yeah. The locust vile. Basically, Tarn's like, listen, he can't he can't have two seats, yet he can somehow challenge her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not to, to skip over this fight between Aurora's older self and her new self, but at the on the other page when Iska's over here like, What are you doing, Tarn? You have a seat. What is this? What yeah. do you want? <laughs> I'm like, just yeah, what stirring is this? stuff up. What is this? Right. I don't think it's I don't think it's an accident that 
Aurora is fighting herself in her original first appearance outfit with her original headdress against what she is now. The I am you, the... In her, is this happening in her mind? Is this a flashback? We don't know. That's only context that we have on this is what we see in this issue right now. I think that this is the true self that she references later on in the issue. That Maybe. this also, this is the storm that's willing to do what's necessary to retain her position to to be the leader of the people that she needs. Because even calling out to the fact that you know Storm's seat is the seat of all around us speaking for matters of the land, the people, the weather, and in turn the world. And the fact that that grants her two seats of voting yeah, and is the regent of Araco. Storm is like, listen, bub. Yeah. I'm on the council here. I'm on the council of Krakoa. I'm the regent of Seoul. Step off. Y'all better recognize I got it. Yeah. And the challenge has been issued. Like I said, for as often as we see Tarn, we don't know a whole lot about him. But this line about the abyssal prisons he helped oversee. Yeah, creepy. Which makes it, th- is that where the Locust file? Is that where his genetic experimentations have come from? Also, I edited your DNA with my mind. The great genomic mage. That's his power. With what? That's his mutant power. He's, he's basically an Omega-level reality warper and telepath. What And also, what is it that he just turned her into? Octopus yeah. Humpty Dumpty lady. <laughs> I don't Which know. Was, I, I love that he, he takes away her power. Windrider no more. Aurora, Earthcrawler now. And then transforms her completely just for safety. You know, just for concern for, right. for himself. And yet. And yet. Yeah. And yet. She still beats him. Right. Tarn she still takes him down. The sneak attack blade to the heart in close conversation. Tarn doesn't want to die and leave his work unfinished. Is this ridiculous that she's able to, to sneak up on him like this, even though he no, clearly... No, because he's a cocky SOB. Yeah, that's true. And he was he was like, you're done. I beat you. Ha ha. And yeah. little does he know, Storm don't need no powers to win. It's true. It's true. She's proven it over and over again. I'm guessing that Tarn repairs her and returns her power because she was ready to face her next challenger, even in this deformed and powerless stage. And that that basically gives this this reaction to him, uh, storm the uncaring. And he sees her power. It's interesting because what he says here. You fooled me, Aurora, with your Krakoan disguise, but yeah. now I see you as you are. Like, is that him saying, okay, you're Iraqi, I get it? Yeah, right. You are of our power. You are of Araco, Windrider. And perhaps, yes, perhaps even of Amenth. Whoa. That's dark demon That's stuff. Hashtag respect. Yeah. Tarn, praise Tarn to you. Praise Tarn. Praise Aurora. <laughs> praise Aurora. He's going to change it. I don't, think, I don't think he's gonna no. do that. He's, no, but he'll he'll like cheers her. Praise right. Tarn. Yeah. Like Yeah. When Tarn praises to you, that's respect. Yeah. Not that we need to be reminded, but Storm is amazing and she just took it to a whole nother level. Asserting dominance over an Omega mutant in the Araco ring in front of all these people. Powerless. Right, powerless. And disformed. Yeah. I just 
if they're not going to give a solo storm book, like what are they doing? Right. And whether it's a solo storm book or it's a book about Arako from the perspective of storm. Yeah. That that's really what I think it is. This is essentially previewing that. I mean, she's incredible. Like I just don't, I like other characters for like, I like Emma for her sass and her wit and her just fierce willingness to do whatever she wants to do. But Storm is just flat out the, I don't know, the most powerful, the most righteous, the most ambitious and true and just takes no garbage and does what needs to be done and just deserves so much more like praise and recognition than I think she gets. And I think she's starting to get it. And right. I obviously don't know like yeah. everything and always, but I just. But I, I think that most people who read the books know who Storm is. Right. You know, most yes. people that know the backstory of Storm, know the instances where she has been this Omega goddess. Mm-hmm. They know who Storm is. Yeah. I don't think that a lot of people who saw the movies know who Storm right. is. Right. I think if you watch the cartoon, you probably know who Storm is just because they nailed that voice and that character pretty good. I love her. That cartoon. Yeah. But in our aftermath, our last couple pages, we get a confirmation that she is back to normal. She is right as rain, as they might say. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this face in the clouds, I'm not too sure what this it's is. It's Mohawk Storm. Is it? It yeah. looks like it. Yeah. Mohawk Storm was depowered and tearing stuff up. So, there you go. Stormy Storm Storms. What do we got? What's that Kirk Cohen for the next issue? Lethal Legion. Oh. Who has been teased in a couple of upcoming issues. Legion. Now, I thought this was a great story. I thought it reaffirmed Storm's strength and power, the scope of leadership on a new level, but doing it in an homage to a classic Storm story, this powerless knife fight for the leadership of a new group. This is Uncanny X-Men number 170, Mm. where she fights Callisto for the leadership of the Morlocks. And it's basically Al Ewing showing us, yeah, I know Storm. Let's let's yeah. revisit a greatest hit with a Krakoan refresh. And so I feel like then that makes even more there. sense that it's 80s Storm, uh, Mohawk Storm. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, she didn't have a Mohawk during that battle. No? Nope. So that was before she was actually depowered. They just fought without powers. Uh-huh. And but then she was depowered with the Mohawk with when the she Mohawk fought Cyclops. With the Mohawk against Cyclops, yes. Which, oddly enough, came up in, in loose reference yeah. in Inferno. Yep. But that's why I feel like we're seeing the classic first appearance of Storm when she's fighting herself because gotcha. that's what she was, at least at the start. She kind of gets roughed up and she uses her cape in, in various ways to fight Callisto. I may have reread the issue this afternoon. <laughs> of course you did. I always love to see more Iraqi characters get fleshed out. Me too. I like them. And, and Tarn... I wouldn't say like I love Tarn, but Tarn holds a he, special place in my heart. And he adds a lot of interest. Yeah. I just, I was running through the full cast of characters of Iraqi people at the end of this issue. Just thinking about who we have so far. It's a short list, but it's gradually growing with more people and with more depth. This mm. backstory on Tarn was great. Casual Cora 
Loved it. Casual Cora. The depth on the Great Ring and even the way that the government works and the way that their society works. There was so much to this issue that Wait, fleshed out the Rocco. What if this is like ridiculous and absurd, but I'm going to say it anyway because I thought about it. And if I was ever right, I need to be on the record that I said it. Yeah. What if Inferno leads to the destruction of Krakoa and then Arako becomes the mutant home. Hmm. And like that's why we're building up how their council works, who their leaders are, what's their backstory, what's their deal, because they're going to get involved in Inferno and basically like I'm the captain now. <laughs> well, I, I mean, if you read some of the comments to a post that I made yesterday about who who are the three mutants you would send to take down the Orcus Forge? A little pull from Inferno. So many people were wondering, hey, what about those murderous Iraqis that yeah, we could be using like, I just feel like working with? If the Krakoan age is, is on its way out, is it the age of Araco? Like, is that yeah. what's next? I don't, I don't know. know, but don't I'm know. saying it. I said it. I said it today, October 2nd, 2021. Okay. It's on the record. There you go. It's on the record. <sighs> well, and, and even Calderac, new, new Iraqi mutant that we got. Yeah. Uh, See? So I have some questions on this one. Too. Okay. Hit me with your question. Storm. Determined she could hold her own against others who sit around the Great Ring, right? Yes. Is there someone else on the ring who could defeat her? On the Iraqi ring? Right. My first thought goes to Iska, or would Iska not challenge her, and that's why she's remaining unbeaten? You know, she respects Storm because she sees her power and, and takes mm. that measure. I mean, yeah. I just, I feel like the way that Tarn has been built up He's got a ton of power, and he was just taken down in front of all these people. Yeah. So there'll be no challengers from now on for a little while at least. Yeah, I feel like I personally would have to read this set of data pages a few more times to be able to answer you. Sure. What do you think about Storm joining S.W.O.R.D., or at least joining the the book S.W.O.R.D.? I mean, I think it makes sense right. because S.W.O.R.D. is like the is involved with soul as a whole and she is the regent of soul. So it's she the most should logical be, place for her to be. She should be associated with like the decisions and the things that happen in that instance. So I feel like it makes sense. And it's if almost, we're not gonna have a separate book for her at the right. moment, she needs to be and in maybe it. that's something that comes out after Inferno, after Lives and Deaths of Wolverine, is mm -hmm. that there is a book more specifically focused on Araco or Storm or Sword or how those tie in. It's almost as though Sword is becoming the X Force of Space. Space, right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Not that they're really a CIA, but they are a, a government they organization. Kind of are, that, yeah. Yeah. They, they are the defense. I'm excited about the potential clash between Storm and Brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and, and I'll double down on what I said at the beginning. Storm got one of her best Krakoan Age solo stories in a sword book. And that mm -hmm. she was kind of, you know, I, I when I think about Storm stories in Krakoa, it's Marauders, where she steals the blades, uh, written by Vita Ayala. Mm -hmm. And it's the Marauders issue by Jerry, where Storm's stories from the perspective of other people. Yeah. 
Those were really the big storm stories, but this this, this was a this storm is story. a storm story. Yeah, because especially like the one where you hear all the perspectives from other people, like yeah. that was like a storm's leaving. Right, that was like that a was goodbye. Like a, that was like anthology. The Friends episode with all the flashbacks, right. you know, like the one with all the Thanksgivings. It was like that, but this was like storm doing it like this is a story that storm takes the lead and takes charge and gets things done and basically makes a name for herself on Araco. yeah and that's a huge thing any other questions sir that's it that's all i could think of any any other thoughts questions about this book or the other book well i'm interested to hear what you think like why you think there will be a clash or between Storm and Abigail Brand. Well, because Brand is manipulating things beyond Storm's mm-hmm. knowledge. Yeah. And to put someone in this power, but to be doing something essentially on the name of this power, that's not yeah. something that Storm's going to be. Like uh, that, misrepresenting. Right. That's the show in the true Storm. Like you when know? your mom finds out you did something bad right. behind her back. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also am concerned about just the influence and power that Brand has in her spy stuff. And, you know, yeah, storm. she's a lot of like little connections places. Right. When when the storm breaks is when it shows its true face. Mm. Oof. Well, we did it. What What are our upcoming? What's next week's comics? Next week's comics include Excalibur number 24. Okay. Hellions number 16. Pop, pop. New Mutants number 22. Okay. So we're going... I actually have seen the preview pages of all three of those books. Mm. New Mutants I'm very excited about. New Hellions Mutants. I'm always excited about. Yeah. The Excalibur, New Mutants preview pages were like... Intense. What is happening? And Excalibur's in a realm of other world as well, which mm. I'm, I'm okay with them continuing to... Dabble there. Yeah, that, that feels... Like a right place to be. There's also the third of the Deadpool, Black, White, and Red, mm-hmm. Black, White, and Blood, and the second issue of Dark Ages. So I just got all these little side things. Yeah, that you doing. got plenty of side stuff to read. I'm going to read what I need to read and not have anything extra right. for a little while. For a little while. Yeah, <laughs> you had you had your fill. <laughs> yeah. Until next time, old friend. Charles. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 